0: I have another guest we are having more guests on this thing because sometimes i just hate running my mouth for 15 20 minutes um i have my new friend nate taylor on from omaha nebraska nate thanks for joining me man i appreciate it
1: yeah absolutely i'm excited to be here
0: um so uh for those of you who um are wondering hey who is nate i will let nate introduce himself but uh to let you know how how this came about Nate, I'm sending you a link to, uh, if you want to post, that's just a link to my YouTube. But, uh, for those of you, uh, and again, we'll, we'll get started here in a second, but this conversation, this conversation came out of the fact that Nate tweeted, or I think Nate slid into my DMs or you, or I slid into your DMs, but Nate had, Nate had a tweet about leadership. I think I tweeted about leadership in tech and then Nate, Nate retweeted it and Nate had a really good thought. I was like, Nate, you need to come on, man. That was really good stuff. So today we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about leadership within the software development community, and also just keeping your employees engaged from a hiring manager side. So this is this could absolutely be applicable to the job seeker side because I always say hiring managers are just uh, job seekers with a job. And so, um, but again, we'll go ahead and get started this morning. So again, thank you all for doing the guidance counselor 2.0. Um, We are going to talk about leadership in tech today with Nate Taylor. Nate, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let the people know who you are, and we'll go from there.
1: Um, So I'm Nate Taylor. Um, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, originally from Kansas City, Missouri, bounced around the Midwest a little bit. Um, I have a degree in electrical engineering and um, tried that for about a year uh, with Caterpillar and then decided that software was the way to go for me. Um, And so I've been doing that for the last 20 years. mostly as an individual contributor, team lead, solution architect, um, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, the last seven years I was a consultant um, at a very uh, at a local company, a very flat organization, which let me try out a lot of different things, which was cool. cool. Um, and then uh, earlier this year came on um, as a director of software development at Pluralsight, um, where I've been now for three months. Um, and I've been around them for about seven years as an author. So that's a, a, a quick intro of me. That's awesome, man.
0: And and by the way, I don't know, I did, didn't even tell you this. Uh, we had Don Jones on, uh, Unicorn oh, okay. Finders, my other podcast. So just to let you know, a little connection there. Yeah. Uh, we're slowly becoming more and more friends with p- people at Pluralsight, which is great. So, so Nate, I, I want to go ahead and dive in, man, and, and let's, let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about keeping engineers, developers engaged within, um, obviously, uh, you know th- their workplace. Let's first off... Um, just talk about your thoughts within leadership within tech. Um, let, let's start there. Just high level thoughts, uh, maybe some good, some bad, and some ugly there.
1: I think it's a scary topic for a lot of people um, because yeah. it's. Uh, you and I were chatting before this started about like how networking scares people, and I think the word leadership scares people because they feel like. It means they have to be someone like me that took on a director role. Um, and, and on my computer at Pluralsight, I don't even have VS Code installed. I've never installed Git, right? And they're like, that's scary to individual contributors. They're like, I don't want to give that stuff up. Um, but I don't think it has to be because, um, like I said, for the last seven years, I was at a consultancy that was flat. Um, I was definitely a leader there. I mean, that came out as I left. It came out during my time there. Uh, and I wrote code. I actually wrote more code than I wanted. I wanted to be writing less code um, and doing doing more you know, traditional leadership type stuff, uh, more stereotypical leadership stuff. Um, and so I think that's a scary thing. I think sometimes it's good. Um, when it's done well, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you have someone that's in your corner that wants to see you succeed, that wants to listen to what your path is and where you want to go and help you achieve that. Um, when it's done poorly, it's horrible. And it's, um, you know, it's former engineers that Kind of, I think part of the topic, right? So maybe this will lead into it, but former engineers that were like, well, I want to keep getting a raise. So I guess I'll go into management and then they don't quit coding or they they think that they can still code and you're not getting the attention as an individual contributor that you need. Like you're not getting the guidance, you're not getting the support because they're too busy putting out fires or trying to design right. the next cool system. So.
0: Yeah. And, and so so I want to talk about what works, what you've seen works in organizations and what you've seen that is kind of a dumpster fire. Right. So so let's talk about your experiences. What has worked well? What do companies and hiring managers need to be mindful of right now on how to build out a leadership track and, and what that should look like? And again, just some few thoughts um, from you this morning on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's important is to understand that as cliche as it sounds, there's a lot of different ways for leadership. Um, it doesn't. Doesn't have to mean a title, although it can, right? So you can, you can. If we look at just simply coding, um, you could lead an epic, right? So this major thing in your product, like you could be the point person for that. That's actual leadership. You're having conversations with the customer. You're having conversations with the team on how it want, how you want it to go. You're maybe responsible for the deliverable. Like those are things that leaders have to take on, and you're doing it while you're a developer or while you're right. a designer, right? And so I think that's something that can work. Is is have that. Um, and I think the other thing that just is really important to keep in mind is, um, you know, as, as a director, as a leader, for me, my, my job is not to tell you where to go or how to get my, my job is to help you get there. Um, but if you say you want to be an architect, we're going to figure out ways and paths to get you to be an architect. And if you say you want to stay a coder for the next 20 years, we're going to figure out ways to make you an amazing coder. Those that's things that need to happen, right? Like it, it has to be that support where, um, at the end of the day, if you're, If you're successful according to your definition of success, then I feel like I'm successful if I'm your manager.
0: Why do you think companies have such, excuse my French, shitty leadership, especially within within technology? Because I see it time and time again, right? Within within what I do, the inner workings of thousands of companies now at this point in my career, right? You've seen in your career as well. Why do you think companies fail in leadership within tech?
1: I think it's a different... um... It's a different skill, right? So in my career, this is how it's happened. Um, and 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 I let me preface this by saying I take a lazy river approach to career development. So I'm not a <laughs> lazy river. I don't have a I don't have a sheet of goals. I don't. I've never moved towards goals. I've just kind of floated, and then I'm like, hey, this is an area I want to hang out for a while and, and just sure. develop. Right. But in my career over the last twenty years, I went from like a junior developer to a mid level developer to a senior developer to a lead developer to kind of this hybrid thing and then ultimately a director and each time it was because i was doing well at the level before so i became a senior developer because i was doing good as a mid-level i became a a project lead because i was good at a senior developer which that isn't necessarily a prerequisite in my mind and so i think right. that's a lot of what happens is we take these people that are phenomenal uh, and i'm not saying i was phenomenal but we take people that are phenomenal at coding or design or architecture and when we put them into this uh, leadership position this management position Um, and they might not, one, have the desire to do it. And two, they haven't spent the last 15 to 20 years working on that. And so they're not as good at that as they are system design. And so it's very easy to just gravitate towards what you're good at. And if you're really good at architecture, you're going to hang out in architecture until someone kicks you in the butt and makes you not. (laughs) Um, and companies aren't doing that, right? They're just like, well, I don't know this Nate guy. He, he was really good. He contributed a lot. Maybe he got the most cards done in a sprint. Who knows what the metric is. Right. Um, Right. But then they they do that. They don't often assess for aptitude. And I don't mean like a test, but like, just sit down and have a conversation. Is this something you want to do? Do you actually want to be managing people? Yeah. Uh, and if the answer is no, then don't force them in there because not, not only are they going to be frustrated, um, but I can tell you firsthand experience that their people are going to be frustrated, right? Sure. Like they're going to, it's going to suck because they're not going to invest in you. They're going to invest in themselves and they're going to be Crouchy because they're not getting to design architecture or whatever it is, right? Um, and so I think that's a big part of it is we just you know the Peter Principle, right? We keep promoting, um, and we don't ever stop and have a conversation of like, is this something you actually want to do? So good. Well,
0: I think one thing that's consistent. I'm interested in your thoughts on this is taking time and asking. Yeah, taking time and asking. And I feel like, and this is this is my joke. Maybe this is a thing. But I, I'm pretty proud of this sales sales driven development. SDD. We're not TDD and we're not BDD and we're not DDD and we're S. I got to be careful though. SDD. SDD. Yeah. Is that like what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like organizations just run, 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 run. And I feel like especially now with with how tech is. I mean, we are in we are in historic levels of boom right now. Companies are snatching up everybody. I'm sure you're seeing it as well with trying to hire. And I almost feel like if companies like took a minute to chill and like actually figured out their organizational structure and their leadership structure, structure, and maybe like they got behind on a few things, I think they could get ahead of the next 10 years.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I think so. I, I, I guess I don't have a ton of experience just because like, like you said, it's a boom right now. Uh, and, sure. and when I was thinking about these things, it wasn't, or when I was living them more, I wasn't necessarily the boom. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's always that desire to, to go 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 um, and sometimes that forces weird um, structures right like well we don't right. have someone for this thing so let's just put this person there right uh, and then you talk to that person and you have a you this is one of those times where not having a leadership title can actually play out because oftentimes right. you um, there's a there's a, a a syndrome called white white coat syndrome where you go to the doctor and they take your blood pressure and it actually raises because you see them in the white coat and you get nervous. And if you
0: were just a green, your
1: black, your blood pressure would be better, right? The same thing happens with leadership. If if your boss or the CTO or the CEO or a director or a VP comes and talks to you, your answer, because you're not an idiot, is going to be like, "Yeah, I'll do that," right? Like right. I don't want to tell yeah. CEO no because <laughs> I like my job. I do not point. want to get
0: fired. Thanks. Right,
1: exactly. And then you have someone that isn't doesn't have a leadership title, but but is kind of in that leadership and they talk to you um, and you find out that that person doesn't want to be doing that. Right. And so, so some of that is the, the power dynamics, I guess. Um, and so we just put people in those positions and they're like, well, I really don't want to do this, but um, I guess that's what I have to do.
0: So, so what are some tracks, right? So what are some tracks? Cause, cause I, cause I, I put out something on Friday where it's like, I think companies right now, and for those of you who are watching any questions, any leadership questions, please ask Nate, add us, comment us. I'll throw it up on the screen. I know Nate would love to hear from you. But Nate, for, for, for me, what are some, some tracks or some ways companies can keep employees engaged without promoting to leadership? Because like for me, it's like, man, like I, I know after my entire career working with software engineers, they love to mentor, but they don't necessarily want to lead. They want to tinker around with new tech, but they don't necessarily want to like architect right like like so what are your thoughts like what are some good ways companies could like listen to this live show take notes from nate and then integrate it into their environment because of what you said what are some areas that com- uh, that
1: companies could could do well that just made the answer a whole lot scarier when yeah that way. Uh, <laughs> per nate at yeah. rural site here here's how uh, we're doing uh, things yeah um no i think i think the one of the things that i liked the best in my career Uh, was when I was early on at Caterpillar, they had um, like a lot of big corporations, right? There was pay grades. So you were like a 13 to 14 to 15, whatever. Um, And I have no, like I've been gone for uh, 15 plus years now. So I have no idea if this is still true for them.
0: Um,
1: But when I was there, and so there was like, you could be a 13 or let's say a 21, probably. You could be a 21 and that could be a manager. Um, But as a technical person, maybe you don't want to go into management. And so what a lot of companies do is they stop the tech scale at 20. And 21 and above is management. And what Caterpillar did was there is a scale all the way up on tech as like each huh. one of manager. And they called these tech stewards. Um, and you you became more of an expert on things. And so if you think of Caterpillar equipment, one of the important things, this is the one that always stuck out for me. One of the important things is you need to be able to see what you're working on, right? So you need lights. Um, I honestly can think of so many more things that would be more interesting to me than lights. But they had a tech steward on lights and this guy was phenomenal. Like you could go ask him questions and he could rattle off like why you thing. this one or that one. Right. right. He lumens like all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, you need seven of these versus two of these, but two of these are going to drain more power and all this kind of stuff. That guy makes or made Caterpillar successful. Right. In part because he could help you define the lights. And so by not saying like, you have to go into this area. And so when it comes to software, you could do the same thing, right? Like, um, one of the ideas we talked about among my friends for a while was like, if you had if you had an expert on front-end technologies, right? Like they could be coding. They could code maybe 20 hours a week. But the other 20 hours a week, they could be making sure good practices are going on across multiple teams, right? Yeah. Um, and then you could get even more specific. Like if that front-end technology group gets too big, well, okay, now we've got a, um, a CSS expert and a JavaScript expert or a React expert, all these kind of things. Um, someone that knows just the browser. And so there's there's so much depth that a team that an individual could have. Like you'll never, you'll never hit bottom of the depth. Right. Right. And so I think that's something that companies can do is still have your person work primarily on a project, 20, 25 hours a week, 30 hours a week, but also let them be that internal advocate and internal expert to say, This is how we do things at my company, at XYZ. This is the patterns we use. Um, because honestly you, you probably only have one or two of those in the company anyway. And everyone sure. like, well, I'm just kind of copying what I saw. Um, so why not throw that in front of, why not let an expert take that on? And then they don't that. have to go into management and it's very valuable to you because now it's people very change teams and the, the consistency is there. Now they can grow in different ways. Like you are investing in your employees. And so it's not like it's a, a cost center. Once they hit that level, it's still providing actual ROI.
0: No, I, I love that because I'm starting to see titles like, <clears throat> you know, obviously you have senior and then I see some senior one, senior two, whatever. Then you have like staff and then you have different levels of staff. And then you go into I've seen stuff like principals and then I've seen fellows and I've seen technical members of staff. Like like I, I, I think companies do need to get creative. Listen, titles are not everything. But I think as a hiring manager, in an organization within leadership, I think you need to you need to have that. Right, Vaco has been historically flat. Right, we have been very, very flat. At the end of the day, you recruit or you sell. There's not much middle ground. But as as we've grown, we've. Uh, do. I think we could do a better job. I think so. I, I think there's different more. There's different ways to level things, and that that we have. But I think title isn't everything for everybody, but it is for some people. Yeah, and I think companies need to be aware of that. And, and, and obviously kind of uh, obviously have those two tracks, right? Which I absolutely love. I didn't even think about that. So that's fantastic with yeah. the whole Caterpillar thing.
1: Well, if you, think of, if you think of what you just called out, right? You either sell or you recruit. Like there's things that a very experienced recruiter has learned that will take years for a very junior recruiter to learn. Correct. And our current model in the industry is just to like, well, I had to go through that and it sucked. So you have to go through it, right? You've got exactly. to learn the, the same way. But, <laughs> but Why are we okay with that as a company? Like, why can't we take some of those? bigger lessons, help that younger person or less experienced person short circuit that and skip some rungs and be more productive quicker. Well, now that senior lead, whatever recruiter, they're providing value in addition to landing clients. They're also growing the company and saying, now this person that might get two clients a year now gets four, right? Like how is that not more valuable? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So let me ask you this. So I ask you one question, Joshua, I will get to your question in a second. Thank you for asking that. And if everyone has any more questions, we're going to wrap up here with 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 Nate. But, um, uh, Nate, the, the the final question I have to ask, and I know this is kind of, I I didn't even prep you on this. Should managers code
1: go? Um, so that's very uh, <laughs> very topical. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, so I've I've had this debate internally for the last three months. Um, not that not not that I should code or not, because for sure. right now, like, I don't even have the time should I even have the access? Um, And so, so far for three months, I've deliberately not requested access to our GitHub repo. There's some, probably some good documentation on there that I could read, but I also know that for right now, my nature would be to like, let me start looking at PRs. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to be doing that, right? Like they've got it set up. Um, And so I really think that if you're gonna be a manager, your number one job is the success of your team and the Mm. success of your team is probably not Mm. happening if you're coding. Like, could you, are you the best coder on the team? Possibly, like that wouldn't be the case for me for sure. I have some amazing people on my teams, you might be the best coder, but that doesn't mean that your team's successful by you coding. You need right. to be busting your butt, learning how to, how to work with people, how to help them have their success be your success. Um, and, and that's not going to happen if you're focusing on hitting Jira tickets and PR mm-hmm. and all that kind of fun stuff. I love that. I love that. You answered that so concisely. I appreciate that. Um, so so this is going from a career perspective.
0: Joshua goes, how would someone get started in software development? I have my thoughts that I've been preaching on.
1: Nate, I, I want to see if, if you obviously have some thoughts. Um, so the joke answer is go watch all of my courses on Pluralsight. Um, I mean, that I wouldn't mind <laughs> if you did, but that's not going to necessarily help you. Um, <laughs> I think it's very similar to um, how you grow as well. and And so software development, exists to solve problems. You have problems in your life that might be solved by software. Um, and and there's nothing that says that you can't um, go watch some courses, go read some blogs, watch some YouTube tutorials, whatever, and learn just enough to get started so that you can start solving this problem. And then when you run into problems, go look those up, right? So here's an example from 15 years ago. My wife was really getting into fitness and So we created, uh, I created a a calorie tracker for her. This was in 2005, maybe, and like those didn't exist. So I wrote a VB6 application, which was old at the time using Access, which was old at the time, but it allowed her to put in her her macronutrients and track it. And then she could go back and say, I had the same thing today. Let me just add it. Um, That taught me a lot about software development that I didn't know, even though I'd already been coding for five years at that point. But it was a real problem. It was something that she was interested in. It was something I was interested in because she was interested in it. So what are those things in your life? Maybe it's a like the 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 generic answer is a to do list. Maybe that's it. It's probably not. But what are those things, right? Do you have a a big library of books? Write a library application. You know, are you a movie buff? You know, start writing a figure out a way that you can like cross reference um, movies and scenes and actors and all this kind of stuff, right? Do something that's interesting to you because you'll be more invested. If you go. Um, I In my spare time, I, I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo. I wrote an app that tracked the hours I spent at the gym. That's probably not interesting to you. And you're not gonna stay involved if that's not a thing that you're interested in. So find that. that thing, learn, I don't. the language doesn't matter. PHP, Python, javascript, .net, pick a language, start working on that. What do I need to do to get this up and running? Let's just print something out on the screen. Okay, now I'm running into this issue where when I add these two numbers together, they come out weird. Research that issue and and just keep building that way. Um, and I always say this as a hiring manager, I've said it as an interviewer for years. The word production is meaningless. Like, I don't mean, did you get paid to put this somewhere? I meant, have you have you done this, right? If you stand up a, a domain um, like Couch Jitsu, which was what my blog is for uh, Jiu-Jitsu, like that's production, right? Like it's out there. People have read it. I didn't get paid to do it, but that doesn't matter, right? Like I've gone through some of those issues. Um, and so that's how I would say is, is find something that's interesting to you. Um, you know, kind of take an MVP approach, minimum viable product. What's the least amount of work I need to do to get, get some progress. What's the next step. What's the next step. What's the next step. And in, you know, three months, six months, 12 months, you'll look back and you'll be astonished at how much you've learned in that time and how much I you're still that's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Well, that's a great, we, we can end there. Nate, thank you again for coming yeah, on, man. I, nice. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, for those of you who are watching, definitely connect with Nate. Nate, where, where's the best way to, to connect with you? LinkedIn, Twitter, where is it?
1: Um, either of those. Uh, Twitter is probably the one I read the most. Um, and so uh, that's T-A-Y-L-O-N-R. That's not a typo. Um, that's a whole other podcast episode about how that came about. Um, but, uh, that is, that is my Twitter handle, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Either one's fine. Um, I, I love, love heard, it. I love hearing from people.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, Nate, thank you again for coming on y'all. Thank you again for tuning in, uh, this morning. We appreciate it. And, uh, y'all have a fantastic Monday. Thanks, Nate.